I think that the real story might be that Copper Harbor itself is the embodiment of that story. There isn't a single story that is that unique in Copper Harbor as these things happen in small communities everywhere. But there are certainly things that are that have happened here because, I mean, we have a uniqueness in that we are dangling 50 miles out in the middle of the largest freshwater lake in the world. We um, are um, surrounded by thousands of acres of wilderness. And we're just a long ways away from, I mean, Copper Harbor is supposed to be the furthest town away from an interstate in the lower 48. And so, I mean, there's interesting things like that that make living here certainly a Copper Harbor only kind of story. Um, but, you know, there are, there are big things that happened here that only happened in Copper Harbor, like the wreck of the city, Bang- city of Bangor, where... You know, the lifesavers went right past the boat to rescue people from another boat and then found these guys trashed on the rocks with 250-some brand-new 1926 Chryslers. And so town gets together and helps get these cars off of the ship. And so those are interesting moments. You know, a sheriff dying, leaving his wife to take over the the position of being sheriff, um, things like that. But I think that you know centered around the maritime those stories and one of the one of the copper harbor stories is the wreck of the aster which left a lot of people in dire straits but the wreck of the aster sits on the bottom of the harbor in copper harbor and there was an anchor and the state of michigan decided that they were going to come get that anchor and put it in a museum somewhere in lansing and a couple people in Copper Harbor decided that, no, you're not. And they went and got the anchor and took it and threw it in Lake Fanny Ho. Why am I not surprised? <laughs> and hid it from the state. So if there was a story that said in Copper Harbor only, that is sort of how people get things done here. Thank you, and welcome to A Fresh Air Inspired Life. I'm your host, Amanda Wise, and today's guest has been a part of the community for 30 years, Mr. Steve Brim, or Stevie B, as some of us call him. Welcome to the show, Stevie B. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Oh, we're actually uh, right in your space today, so it's kind of nice to be looking around and seeing your guitars and your drums and some of the things you're working on. We've spent a little bit of time in here drumming and (laughs) playing music. We certainly have. It's a fun thing to do with you, for sure. Um, So I and most people know you as a very talented photographer and videographer, 
But that wasn't your first order of business when you got here 30 years ago. Can you tell us a little bit about your start here? Yeah, it was um, it, it was the first 55 days it snowed and blew, and so we, we did wonder why we were <laughs> why we were here. So that was a little bit of a, a rocky start, especially the uh, flat tire coming into town in <laughs> oh <coughs> a blizzard. Oh, so, but we got settled right away and uh, realized that we had really moved to the smallest place that we had ever lived. And there were only a few choices as far as real employment at the time. And those were housekeeping or working in the resort recreation business, which we had been in and weren't really that interested in continuing. And so mm. we looked around at what Copper Harbor was missing and it was things to do. Oh. So we decided that we should maybe give our passions a try in helping other people find ways to recreate as a silent sport. So we started Keweenaw Adventure Company. Uh, that was my first wife, Julie, and I. Uh, this was our endeavor. And we started out with sea kayaks and mountain biking. And uh, we had no trails at the time, necessarily, so that was an order of business. And um, also we did dog sledding in the wintertime, took people out to remote camps and introduced them to the art of driving or mushing dogs. And so that was our start. Uh, we did that for seven or eight years. And... Um, felt that it was time to move on and that's when I first moved into photography. Oh, seven or eight years later. So do you want to tell us a little bit about that transition from the adventure company into photography? Yeah, uh, once once we uh, once we decided to to move on um our our first goal of business was to figure out how to once again make a living. And I had been selling my work uh, for a number of years in galleries and to magazines and such. It was only a, a little bit of a, a side hustle for me at that point. Uh, and, of course, this was back in the film days, so um, it was actually a lot of work to submit a, uh, to a magazine or other publication. And hopefully that you got those transparencies back um, but it stuck, and I enjoyed sharing the world that I saw around me with people, and they seemed to enjoy it. And so 23 years later, I'm still a photographer. That's awesome. I'm so glad you are because I personally find your work really captivating, and I know a lot of people do. So I'm curious, then, what are you thinking and feeling when you get some of those shots that you know other people are also going to appreciate you know i i i guess that um it, it's not really in the forefront of my mind mm. that that's going to be the outcome mm. um I, I feel fortunate that i've been able to do mostly uh what i like mm, good and um and that's extra fortunate because I'm a horrible salesperson. <laughs> so 
if I had to create something specifically to sell to people, how I would and and do it, it would I would be hard pressed. But um, I found that if I just did what it is that made me feel good, mm-hmm. that there were people also that saw the same way that I do and would enjoy the same things that I enjoyed. So that is sort of my uh, ideal when I shoot. I do obviously get hired on commercial shoots and stuff where mm-hmm. I am asked to do certain things, and but that's with my own artistic uh, interpretation mm-hmm. a lot of times. And so that's always been a, a pleasure to be able to be trusted in that way to to bring a vision out. And how does your work change as the seasons change? I I think that um, there really isn't much of a change. I still go out for me. The seasons offer different um, different palettes, but mm-hmm. in my mind, winter is the most dynamic mm-hmm. and probably the season that I have a very much a love and hate relationship with because it it's so unbelievably beautiful and the landscape changes every day it's mm-hmm. the most dynamic season uh, with ice on lake superior with swirling snow snow on the trees um, and the light here at this latitude is you can photograph all day long whereas in the heat of summer it's just too bright most of the time unless you're just shooting blue skies days which is not something that i shoot that mm-hmm. much mm-hmm. so yeah winter winter my files are are three times as thick as any other season wow so if people want to view or purchase your work where can they do that uh, you can find some of my work at stevebrimstudio.squarespace.com. Dot com. <laughs> Dot com. Okay. Uh, do you, you also have a physical location here in Copper Harbor? I do. I have a, um, a small little gallery on First Street right next to the famous Laughing Loon gift mm-hmm. shop and right up the street from the famous Harbor House restaurant. And just a half a block away from the famous Amanda Weiss. Oh, jeez. <laughs> cool. So you can visit Steve uh, online and is in his location in Copper Harbor. So, Steve, you've been transitioning into videography these last couple years. Um, I see snippets on social media, and you've shown me parts of the Copper Harbor Oral History Project, plus some other compositions. You seem to be a natural. Um, can you tell us why you got into this? Into videography? Yes, or? please. Um, well, it. Um, you know, I always have trouble answering how I even got into photography. <laughs> so uh, videography is even more complex, and, and I'm, I'm not really sure how I ended mm-hmm. up shooting video I think it was just an extension of of hey I have cameras and my Mm -hmm. cameras now shoot video 
Um, and then, of course, cell phones came along, and I have fun doing, you know, not professional work, but I like for social media. Mm-hmm. I put out, put out stuff that shot on the cell phone. But I just, it was another way to tell a story, and it was using skills that I didn't know if I had or not. So at some point, after a while of doing the same thing, you feel unchallenged. And I think that maybe video was a um, um, a challenge that I wasn't expecting, but I took on. Nice. Well, you did tell me one day that videography is kind of out of your comfort zone. And I know it takes a lot of work to get it right. But man, you are getting it right. Can you tell us what you're learning from working out of your comfort zone? Yeah, I mean, it's it's not just that it's videography. It's that most of my career has only been about nature, and that includes wildlife, um, but not people. Mm. I can't tell you how many weddings I have turned down mm. in my career. Um, I don't really do portraits. I don't do people. Mm-hmm. And so somehow I ended up uh, working with uh, the Keweenaw Bay Indian community um, and their natural resource department in telling some stories about some of the things that they were doing there. So not only now am I working with people, I'm working with people that are a different culture Mm -hmm. than mine. Mm -hmm. And so that has been both the most rewarding thing and also the scariest thing. Also, I got into trying to capture uh, some of the older stories from people who are still alive in Copper Harbor about how things were. They have relatives that either commercial fished here or ran timber or, you know, numerous things. And so those stories are starting to get lost, the older ones. So I have been sitting down with past and present um, residents of Copper Harbor and just listening to stories that they tell me about the past. And once again, that's a human-based thing. I'm not comfortable with it. Um, it's, But like you said, it's something that's out of my comfort zone and I'm learning and I feel good about that and I feel good about capturing these stories that I know will be lost forever. Yeah, I really appreciate that you are doing those things. Um, And that last thing you mentioned about the residents is the Copper Harbor Oral History Project. Um, And people can, there's some of those videos on YouTube. Is that correct? Um, They're not really yet. Okay. (laughs) I'm, I'm, uh, I'm feeling that out. Part of the problem Mm -hmm. is, is how to show, share these stories um, and different people have diff- have differing ideas. And the first thing I'm doing is just trying to capture history. Sure. And so I started doing that before I figured out what to do with the with the recordings other than archive them. Sure. You know, give them to the Keweenaw Historic Park or to uh, Michigan Tech or uh, a server in Copper Harbor that mm. people could access for these things. Okay. But... Recently, the Keweenaw Time Traveler 
has um, come into existence, and this was a cooperation, I believe, between Michigan Tech and the Keweenaw Historical Society to create a, a multi-layered virtual map of pretty much the whole Keweenaw. And so I have uh, uploaded one story uh, that is associated with the Copper Harbor Schoolhouse. And it is a YouTube video. Every All of my interviews um, are shot on video mostly. And so I can link that to the Keweenaw Time Traveler. So when oh. somebody clicks on the Copper Harbor Schoolhouse, they can, if somebody wants to add photos, there'll be photos. If somebody wants to add stories, they can add stories. And so that's what I did was add this story. Mm which is in the form of a video so all they have to do is click on the link that's provided there and it will take them but so far i haven't really i haven't really published uh any of the videos except to show the owners uh, uh the interviewees of okay. what what they look like and what they sound like mm -hmm. and so that they can understand a little better of what i'm doing sure um but i um i hope that soon hopefully within the next year uh, as I get more interviews, I'll be able to have a clearer vision as to where some of these interviews will live for the public to be able to access easily. Awesome. That's great because really the key is getting those interviews. I mean, if you don't have them, you can't put them anyway. So good for you for having a, you know, you'll have a storage of them and then someone will say, hey, we got a place to put them and they're ready to go. As surprising, people have a lot more to say than I thought. Oh, <laughs> are you really surprised by that? <laughs> okay, maybe not. No. Oh, man. <laughs> Only so, in Copper Harbor. <laughs> that's right. So let's get back to our community. Um, I love that you are on the scene at social events. You get footage, but you still manage to hang out and be a part of the group that you just captured. So... Is there anything you want to say about why that's important to you? I think that I realize as I'm working with people, the impact that that has. Like I said, most of my career has been nature. And so the people thing is new. And I never, I always appreciated looking at historical photographs and looking at things that gave me a glimpse into something that was no longer. And so um, I think that somehow I've just sort of morphed into that role. So like if I end up someplace mm -hmm. that seems like the fun or the, the story or the event should be captured, it's, you know, it's easy today with, with a cell phone. I mean, I do bring mm -hmm. real cameras to them if, if it warrants it or, or if I have the time. But just, just getting these things once again is, is proving to be pretty satisfying to me. Cool. Yeah, I'm sure a lot of people in the area are grateful that you capture some of these moments. A lot of our impromptu gatherings and just... Things like and, that. And maybe some aren't. <laughs> maybe some aren't thrown in there. Oh, man. So let's get back to uh, the guitars and the drums. And um, it seems like playing music and providing a space for other people to play music seems to be a really big part of your life. Um, can you share some of your thoughts on how 
the role of musical spontaneity and an organic gathering of musicians and things like that play in your life? It it plays probably one of the the larger roles. Mm. Um, I learned uh, to play percussion. I was in band for six years and in school and in high school I had a buddy who I played percussion with in the band and he went on to become a professional musician and in his spare time for fun he shot video and I um, became a photographer and play music for fun Mm-hmm. And I have, I have done some professional musical gigs and other things, but I have worked hard to keep it strictly a hobby. Mm. And I think that that's the part that allows me to make it as fun as possible. Yeah. And I love to hear people play just as much as I love to, to play. And music is always probably one of the greatest connectors of mm. humans and if and you know living in a tourist town and people show up and you can talk the same language mm-hmm. immediately with another musician mm-hmm. and so um, it's something that I feel like we're starting to get uh, a little more of here in town we have some good venues and things going on and I hope to have more events in the gallery this summer awesome. with music um, and I just think that that's the the arts and that's one of the arts and it's one of them that I can participate in and promote. And so I just do what I can do. Yeah. Um, so what else do you like to do up here for fun, Steve? I just like being outside. I like, I like, I like seeing all of the, the uh, landscapes and how they change through the seasons. And there isn't really too many days that go by that I don't go find something to look at or explore nice. um, but I can also appreciate sitting and watching mm. and I have plenty of wildlife and you know even just sitting and watching the birds in the winter time mm-hmm. I can I can do that for hours nice. on end <laughs> nice. <laughs> but um, yeah I mean community involvement is probably I, I can't say I always necessarily like to do it but I'm kind of driven to do what I can to help, and that's what everybody else does in this community. When you have only a hundred year-round residents, and only a certain amount of them are people who participate, um, and actually a lot of people participate, but there's a lot of work and a lot of jobs to go around in a small community, and those jobs aren't necessarily paid jobs. A lot of them are just volunteer jobs of helping put on an event or or helping your neighbor Uh, you know I see I see people going crisscrossing with plow trucks and snow blowers and (laughs) and and plumbing parts and you know whatever you need you know all you have to do is put out a call on our coconut telegraph here (laughs) in Copper Harbor and um, and so I mean it's it, it is an activity in this town to be a part of it it's 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 not it a is. passive thing mm-hmm. and as 
you know, the interview with uh, one of your last guests, Mike Musial, um, definitely highlighted that people mm -hmm. here wear a lot of different hats and mean a lot of different things in this community. And so that is something that gives me identity um, and, and satisfaction. So it's one of the things that I love about living here and, and one of the things that I do. Awesome. I like that you said it's definitely an active participation kind of community because yeah, when someone needs help or just needs something done or anything, I mean, it's it's interesting to me how it's kind of hard for us to ask for help when we need it. But boy, if you put a call out for, hey, I need this moved or does anyone have an extra one of these? I mean, people are on it. You it's it's really cool, but it does. Yeah, it does take a lot of that. It's very cool. Um, is there anything else you care to share about your projects or your passions? No. Okay. <laughs> well, thanks so much for talking with us today. If you, the listener, have any questions for Steve or any of our past guests, please drop me a line at copperharborvitality.com. Till then, be good to yourself. Ba -ba -da 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 -da. Ba -ba -da